It's just after 8 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub with three locations. One on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the Strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non-invasive scan today. Day for peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com. And by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Ah, yes, it does. On a Wednesday hump day, you know where KT is. Hump day vibes right here. Steiner's Pub. 1750 North Buffalo right here at Vegas Drive. One of three in the Vegas Valley to serve you. 8410 West Cheyenne, now in their 25th year. That is the original. And then you've got the one in between South Point Mandalay Bay right there on the boulevard. That's right. It is 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South right there at Windmill. All three establishments, 24 hours, incredible food, kitchen open 24-7, not bar food, great food. Check out the menu, check out the great dishes. Another great homemade soup I took in tonight, I'll have to ask Jet what it was, but it was fantastic. And uh, there's so many different ones, they've got the homemade salad dressings and there's so many great appetizers and full meals and you know, you just really can pick and choose. And again, 24-7, doesn't matter. You can have breakfast four in the afternoon if you want. And we know a lot of you in the industry, your schedules kind of dictate that you're not going to be able to enjoy good meals a lot of places if you're working that swing shift or graveyard shift. But that's not the case at Steiner's Pubs. All three, 24 hours, great gaming up front. You've got the video kino, video poker, those machines. You can find out which ones have been paying off with the jackpots listed, how much they were uh, right there at all three establishments. They've got that marquee board lit up and uh, it's just great stuff great service on top of the great spirits they've got the full bar uh, what they don't have on tap they've got in the bottle and uh, just uh, make sure no drinking and driving set your ride up prior to and come and enjoy yourself uh, Oktoberfest lots of different beers IPAs and different things Roger's got connections with all the different vendors and so he's always got a ton of specials going on at all three Steiner's Pub locations Ken Thompson Mark Lawrence be with me in just a sec real quick want to go to the Richard Badge and Finley Toyota out of town scoreboard but before I do I do want to uh, pay condolences to the Bola family coach Jim Bola winningest uh, ladies basketball coach for the Lady Rebels Uh, Jim did a show on KDWN for uh, several years did a good show with Tyler Bischoff who's now over there on ESPN radio Uh, but coach Bola passing away on Friday at age 70 and I watched him go through the rigmarole of going back and forth to Cali to the UCLA Medical Center and battling cancer and uh, he did it admirably and uh, 
he will be missed. Not forgotten, but he will be missed. We celebrate Jim Bola's life. Uh, coach was outstanding, played his college ball at Pitt uh, for the Pittsburgh Panthers back in the day. And, you know, then he uh, got into coaching and was an assistant coach in the men's game, but then got into the ladies' side of things, ended up coaching here. UNLV went on, did five years over there at Hawaii as well. And uh, just a, a class a class act, uh, really, really good people. And uh, Mark Anderson of the Review Journal uh, wrote a nice article there on Coach Jim Bola. But he had battled cancer for several years and never really hung his head, kind of got, you know, depressed every now and then. But, you know, he'd pick himself back up and stayed on the radio and continued doing shows. And uh, Coach Bola, we will miss you big time. And uh, I'm glad I got to know you. And I know UNLV, Lady Rebels, family and uh, so many others connected to UNLV and Hawaii and also Pittsburgh uh, touched by Jim Bola's life and we'll celebrate that life throughout. Mark Lawrence with me in just a sec real quick. I'm just going to give you the games that are going right now and then I'll update in hour number two at the top. I'll get you all the finals but right now Jazz lead the Rockets 97-93 6.03 to go fourth quarter. Heat lead Portland 61-56 six seconds to go in the first half there and the Nuggets up by four on the Lakers a minute 14 to go in the Mile High City in the first half 52 to 48 meanwhile on the ice just one game going right now Tampa Bay doubling up on Anaheim there in Orange County California Uh, that is after the first period the only other two games saw the Islanders beat the Rangers what else is new three nothing the shutout there for the Islanders Rangers outshot them by 16 but if you can't put them in the net doesn't mean a hill of beans right Edmonton 3-1 they win under the arch in St. Louis those the only three hockey games no football tonight we've got Thursday night football tomorrow in the NFL Ravens and Buccaneers from Tampa Brady going to try and get it together. Virginia Tech at NC State, UL Lafayette at Southern Miss, and Utah at Washington State. The late, late game there, uh, Pac-12 after dark. Mark Lawrence, great to have you. Lots of things going on on my end. I'm just like, I'm just trying to find some time so that I can start, you know, really getting prepped for college basketball because that's only a, a short little jaunt away, you know, 10, 12 days away, and we're going to start college basketball, and then it all kind of just goes together but we got the fall classic starting up on friday and the philadelphia phillies i got a future on the phils not a great one but plus 480 uh, i'll take it i did lose my future on the yankees so uh hoping that the phils can take out that astro juggernaut but right now uh only five members from the cheating world series team but nonetheless i'm rooting against them hard mark lawrence did you do anything with the fall classic no, I haven't done anything, Kenny. Uh, I don't know if I will, but uh, if I sided, I would side to the Phillies for the value and the fact that they are the hot team right now. Sometimes teams like that are destined and, uh, you know, coming from nowhere out of the clouds to make it to the World Series. And uh, it's a fun story to watch. And they do have some pretty decent pitching there also in uh, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. I think they've got enough to maybe take this Series 7 games and steal the series. There you go. Nola will start the opener on Friday, and then they'll come back in game number two and uh, go the other route. But it, they're kind of flip-flopping pitchers there. they got a couple good starters. But Houston's a complete team. There's no question. And we got a lot going on in football. And I know uh, last week, I know you nailed your top two games in the pros uh, I had a really good week in the pros. Ended up going 5-0 and in the Super Contest, which was my first 5-0. and So at least hanging around there, Mark, 21-13-1. So not bad, I'll take it. You know, if you can just kind of hang around and, and not have any of those 
one and four, zero oh and fives, and then you know if you can get a five and zero oh or four and one, that's important. Uh, a lot of people just continue to go three and two, two and three, three and two, two and three, and that's the way I had been going uh, early on. But I'll take the five and zero, oh, get me rolling a little bit. How are you doing in the Super Contest? Well, it was really just the opposite, Kenny. We were doing really rather well, and we unfortunately were on the opposite side of the ladder as you uh, from last week's results. It didn't go our way at all. So uh, whatever methods we used, they were ob- obviously in opposite directions. So congratulations on a 5-0. and oh. That's really, really cool. And there's nothing wrong with uh, hammering out 3-2s and twos every week because 3-2s and twos will get you in a position the final month of the season to make that run. So stay right there and see what happens come December. There you go. Coming from a veteran that had a standout year last year and is having a great year there, college and pro football, uh, playbooksports.com. All right, Mark, Ravens and Buccaneers. I mean, we look at Tom Brady, we look at Aaron Rodgers, both these guys struggling mightily, and I don't see things changing. I really don't. I mean, Mike Evans dropping that opening long pass, when you go back and you see the isolated uh, one-on-one where he kind of just throws the – defender out of the way and then you know he must feel guilty he's running down the field 15 yards open nobody there and he's probably feeling so guilty that he just took his eyes off the ball and dropped it and a little karma coming back to bite him but uh end of the day the ravens come a calling now to tampa but i just don't see this tampa bay team making adjustments that look like they're going to win games i mean carolina you know gave them opportunity after opportunity to grab a lead they just couldn't do it and to put up a three spot against a Carolina team that basically dumped McCaffrey uh, is on a third string quarterback. I mean, my goodness, it doesn't get much more embarrassing for Tom Brady than that. No, it certainly doesn't. Uh, you know, obviously the low point of the season for them, in fact, go back to the beginning of the season when Jay Carnegie at the Westgate posted lines on all the NFL football games for the entire season. And uh, in this game, they had Tampa Bay as a four-point favorite in the football contest. So you can see how far they've fallen. And, you know, is it all Tampa Bay or is it because Baltimore is playing good football? Well, the answer is no. Baltimore is not playing good football. In fact, they've been out-yarded in five of their seven football games. So, you know, while the focus is on Tampa, and rightfully so, I mean, I've never seen in my database a football team, a national football league team, lose uh, to the spread three times in a row as double-digit favorites lose two of those games straight up on the scoreboard. So obviously there's problems in Tampa, but I also believe, Kenny, there are problems in Baltimore as well. And I just don't know if Baltimore warrants being favored just because of their condition. That being the case, I think I'm looking for Tampa Bay to stand up red-faced as they are as the home dog in this game. Yeah, I'm going to look the other way, only because Tampa Bay is so beat up. I mean, they're missing a ton of guys for this game, but we've seen teams, like you said, rally around. I mean, Antoine Winfield Jr. is out. Kadecki on the uh, on the offensive line is out. You're missing Breit, the tight end. Carlton Davis on the defense. Sean Murphy Bunting's going to miss the corner. Russell Gage. I mean, there's a ton of guys out. For Baltimore, they're hoping Mark Andrews is going to be able to go. It looks like he'll get cleared. Gus Edwards still questionable, and Dobbins is out, but they get Ronnie Stanley back to help anchor that offensive line, and Bateman is back, and then Marlon Humphrey on the defense so uh, some key injuries uh, but it looks like Baltimore is going to be a little bit more on the up as far as that goes on the offensive side and defensive side of the ball as far as players that are going to be active but again these rosters are 53 men and uh, they've got to come together but both these teams have struggled and uh, we thought both these teams probably be sitting pretty fat right now uh, this juncture of the season but it's not turned out that way let's stay in the NFL let's go to the
the Bears and Cowboys. Cowboys minus 9.5, 42.5. I mean, can we see that Justin Fields again in that running game? I mean, that was pretty solid stuff, what they flexed up there in Foxborough against the Patriots. And, Mark, I had uh, a couple teasers there tied to New England on the Monday night game like a lot of people did, had it down to 1.5. And, and uh, you know, as I'm watching that game, I got off that game. I ended up uh, in the first quarter still getting an 8 and then get, ended up getting a 6.5 and, and a 3.5 and in game. And just uh, finally I said, you know what, the Bears are going to win this game. But I didn't go to the money line. I just stayed with the plus 3 and a half was the lowest but I could just feel it I just did never saw where New England was going to get up off the mat outside of when Zappi drove them down and uh, you know they closed the gap and actually took the lead 14-10 but the Bears bounced right back on the next drive got that lead never gave it up I was pretty impressed with Fields and you know if you have a good solid uh, nucleus around him skill position wise I mean this team's got potential I think Fields is a lot better than people think he is and they're kind of throwing him in the trash I I think Justin Fields has a, a very high ceiling well, we saw that Monday night. Uh, he played his best game in his career in the National Football League, and he did it in the right spot under the Monday night lights uh, in foggy Foxborough, if you will. They put up on quite a performance. In fact, it was the Chicago defense, I think, that really did the trick. They held only to a season-low 260 yards in the football game. Uh, kudos to them. Now, the question in my mind is how do they react having traded Robert Quinn to the Eagles right. after that heroic performance? I mean, it's almost like management is saying, you know, we're giving up on you guys. I don't know, you know, what the mental for Chicago will be in the football game. But on the other side, I look at the Dallas Cowboys and I see a very fortuitous Cowboy football team that got past Detroit. And if a person just looked at this final score and said, okay, 24 to 6, a yeoman workmanlike job, that wasn't the case at all. It was five Detroit turnovers that led to a victory for Dallas. And in fact, the game was very much in question uh, with about four or five minutes to go in the contest. So I don't feel Dallas deserved their victory. I feel for sure Chicago did theirs. And I don't know if I would lay any points at all with the Cowboys until they can prove to me that Dak Prescott is back 100%. I didn't see that in his last game, and uh, I will take the points with the Bears here. All right, so the money I made, the most money I made was against Marcus Mariota and the Falcons, and it wasn't just against Marcus. I mean, I'm a, you know, one of uh, his biggest fans, and I've made good money, but they had that six-game unbeaten streak against the spread. But I just liked the way that Cincinnati had been you know, showing that they're not a three and three team. That this team, you know, was a five and one team to me. And and the experience they gained last year, going through the postseason, making it to the Super Bowl. And Joe Burrow, to me, even though he ends up on his wallet more times than not, he still throws a real nice ball. And Jamar Chase, what a great combination that is. So I jumped all over Cincinnati big last week, and and I think this is the best team in the AFC North, better than Baltimore, of course, better than Cleveland. Uh, and they'll play Cleveland on Monday night. We know that game is always a bear mark, and you know it better than anybody you're an Ohio guy you grew up rooting for the Browns and you follow both these teams inside out it's three and a half and that half point I don't like laying it I haven't touched the Bengals on this game the total is 47 at the beautiful Westgate Superbook what about it Mark Lawrence give us the insight from the Ohio native on the Bengals at the Browns because the Browns have given away several games this year well, the Browns are probably the number one hard luck team in the National Football League. Kenny, five games that they played have been decided by a field goal or less. And unfortunately for Cleveland, they were on the losing side of four of those five results. So, you know, you turn any, even half of those games around, they're in the hunt here right now. They've been playing very competitive football. They just can't seem to turn the corner. Last year, the Browns did take the Bengals out twice. 
uh, with Cincinnati on route to the Super Bowl last football season. So I don't think Cleveland will lack confidence at all in this football game. Uh, and if you take a look here, Cleveland goes into a bye week after this. They give them a chance to get their to get themselves a little better fine tuned in this football contest. I think they catch Cincinnati feeling a little bit fat and a little bit sassy right now for what they've been doing in the contest here. That three and a half is very attractive to me. The Cleveland Browns is a home dog. All right, 49ers and the Rams, and the Niners really getting torched by that Kansas City offense. Again, I wasn't sure what type of shape Nick Bosa would be in, and we know now Debo Samuel uh, nursing that hamstring, so uh, they're not going to be at 100%. They go to L.A. so five, but they've really dominated the Rams over the last several years, despite the Rams winning the Super Bowl last year. Uh, Rams come off the bye, and that could be key. They get Van Jefferson coming back. Uh, Cam Akers still out for personal reasons. Uh, probably because he's not getting the ball. And uh, I just wanted to get your take on this one because this is an interesting game. Niners are minus one and a half, and now Christian McCaffrey will have a full week of going over the playbook and learning stuff, and I'm just wondering how much more potent that Niner offense will be with McCaffrey, a pretty cerebral young man, taking in an extra week there with Niners practice. Well, it's ironic you mentioned Cam Akers and Christian McCaffrey in the same statement, and it was the Rams who went real hard after McCaffrey in that trade, and uh, they even offered up Cam Akers as part of a package, but it wasn't what Carolina was looking for. I just don't think there's any appeal to Cam Akers right now at this stage of his career. He's not been helpful at all to the Rams. But the game does set up real well for the Rams coming into the contest here. Uh, number one, you got the big revenge from when they were taken out in San Francisco on Monday Night Football uh, at the beginning of the month here. And they got a week of rest to get ready for this football game. And it's very rare you'll find a defending Super Bowl champion that ends up as a home dog uh, in a football game against an opponent, a division opponent, uh, I should say, like they are in San Francisco, that does not have a winning record. Uh, I'm going to stay with the Rams in this football contest. It's a much, much bigger game for the Rams here than it is San Francisco. And I realize the Niners are reeling. They're off of two losses in a row. But I don't think they deserve to lay points here right now at this stage of the season. All right. Then we've got uh, some other big games, Packers and Bills. I mean, it doesn't get much bigger for the Packers because all of a sudden they find themselves under 500, like Tampa Bay. Bills, though, off a bye. 11 and a half is a lot of points in the NFL. But when you think about it, seven in each half, I don't know. I mean, I had Buffalo against Pittsburgh. They were laying 14, 38-3. I said 14 looks like a lot to you're down 17-3 in the second quarter. And this Buffalo team, to me, Mark, there's a reason that the Westgate has them at 2-1 to one right now to win the Super Bowl. They are the best team in the league. There's no question, top to bottom. Now, Kansas City has closed some, some ground, I think, uh, getting their offense elevated and are going to get a lot of confidence off the blowout win in San Francisco where they had that big-time second half. But what about the Bills off the bye and the Packers? I, I Again, another like Tampa Bay, I just don't see improvement. You know, you keep waiting. Their backs are against the wall. They're three games in the loss column behind Minnesota. Can Rodgers and the guys actually go to Buffalo and hang with the Bills? Because I don't see it. I think personally, Kenny, when you look back at the end of this football season, you're going to look at the standings and you're going to see the Green Bay Packers in the playoffs and say to yourself, how on earth did they take 11 points at Buffalo? I know it's Buffalo, and I know they're the number one ranked offense and the number one defense, and it's only uh, it's all the reasons why they're the big favorite in the football game because they're playing well and Green Bay is not. But when you take a good football team like the Green Bay Packers, who many people, including yours truly, had – uh, prognosticated them to make it to the Super Bowl this year, and suddenly they slipped a Carter pin and they're playing their worst football this season. And you offer up more points than Aaron Rodgers has ever taken in his career. 
it's time to make a case for the Green Bay Packers here. You know, I, I realize Buffalo's got this week of rest to get ready for the football game. Uh, their arsenal is uh, it's it's superior. There's no question about that. But when you're red-faced and you're embarrassed like the uh, Green Bay Packers are coming into this contest here, it's all about value, Kenny, in a football game. And, you know, I alluded to what I talked earlier about the line in the football game and what Jay Cornegay puts out at the beginning of the football season and what we're looking at here right now. The line in this football game was – Buffalo three and a half as a favorite. Uh, so you can see, you know, the divergence here and what's happened with the, between these two football teams. I just think this game is, has too much value for the Green Bay Packers to ignore in the contest. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, to me, uh, Aaron Jones and Dylan, they've got to run the ball. So you can't just rely on the pass. I get it. If you fall behind, it's tough to stay with that mantra. But at the end of the day, you've got a couple solid running backs. The offensive line, the problem with the O-line is that they're always beat up. Somebody's always out. And you know, Bakhtiari, I mean, that guy ought to just retire. I, I don't remember a week in the last five years that that guy wasn't on the injury report, whether he ended up playing or not. Uh, but it's been few and far between. It's got to be frustrating for management. Let's jump to college football. Ohio State, the Buckeyes, a team that you follow real close. And uh, Penn State finding a way to pull away in the second half last week against Minnesota. Nittany Lions at home in Happy Valley catching 15 and a half big ones from the Buckeyes who are a juggernaut Stroud in the offense really getting going and again without Jackson Smith and Jigba really getting into the offense so when he gets clicking I mean there's no telling how good this Buckeye team will be on the offensive side of the ball and the defense with Eichenberg leading the way has really done a nice job what about an Ohio State lane 15 and a half at the Westgate Superbook 61 the total from Happy Valley well, Penn State's really been well done well in this series. They've cashed five of the last six against the Buckeyes, but I don't know if uh, this they faced the Buckeye team as good as this Ohio State football team appears to be this year. Uh, you know, they look like they're simply invincible right now, and they look like they can score whenever they want to score in a football game. Uh, and you can look back and you can say, well, you know, 15 points, that's a lot of points for Ohio State to have to lay at Happy Valley. But you can also say at the end of the football season uh, that it was a pretty cheap price for the Ohio State Buckeyes to lay. It's the cheapest price they've laid thus far this football season here. And it's not as if Penn State is a juggernaut by any means. And I found the Penn State football teams that when they when 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 they're in against quality opposition and they trail, they fall behind, they don't really muster up enough of an attack to come back and turn that around. I think the Buckeyes are going to win this game going away. Yeah, no doubt. Now, you could have rain. In fact, you will have rain, it looks like, for the Florida-Georgia game in Jacksonville. Both teams off a bye. Uh, Anthony Richardson is going to have to take care of the football. He has seven interceptions on the year, but we know he can run it well. He ran it real well in the opener against Utah. Georgia, number one team, also coming off a bye. Mark, hard to believe that Georgia has given up seven sacks, and they only have seven sacks on the year. Again, that's a mind-boggling deal for me to take in with that Georgia defense, how formidable they've been the last several years. But Stetson Bennett's been the solid cog there at quarterback. They've got a good, solid run game with some young guys. DeWan Edwards stepping up nicely, and then Bowers, one of the better tight ends in the game. Florida, they have athletes, and this is a rivalry game. I'm just wondering if Napier can keep it close. It's a lot of points for Georgia to be laying uh, to Florida, and I wanted to get your take on that one. Uh, what about it last I saw, and I'm trying to get that line, but it was a, it was a pretty high spread there uh, with Georgia, and I, I'm trying to find it now. I think it was around 20-some-odd 20, 20 points. Let me see if I can. I'm, I'm, I don't know how I'm missing it. I'm going up and down the line, but and if you have it there, that, that'd be great. But uh, I'm looking at Florida in the game just because it is 22.5 right now at the Westgate, 56.5 the total. Georgia favored over Florida. 
Well, the biggest spread in the series, Kenny's in, in my database. And uh, the ironic thing is, if you go back and look at the history of the series of these teams here, there's been 11 times that they faced Florida in my database since 1980 that Georgia has had the better record. And they're only four and seven straight up in those games, beat the spread only three times. Now, they've been terrific this year. They've held five of their seven opponents to 10 or fewer points. The most points, that, yards, I should say, that they've allowed is to Oregon was 313. But Billy Napier has a way of uh, stepping up his teams in the role of an underdog. He's 14-6 and six to the spread uh, as an underdog uh, in his career. I think this is a spot for Florida to just hang around and cash this ticket ugly-like. I don't, I don't think they're going to be a threat to win this football game, but I think Georgia could play down to their level a little bit here, and I'm with you. I have to take the points with the Gators in the contest. All right, ducking one more and let you go, but Tennessee back at home, Knoxville and Mark Stoops in Kentucky, Kentucky come in there. Uh, Tennessee minus 12.5, 62.5, and look, I love the way Hendon Hooker's playing. Yes, he's one of the faves right now for the Heisman, him and Stroud right up there, but this Kentucky team I mean, with Chris Rodriguez back in the backfield, they're a blue-collar team. Now, Tavion Robinson's been banged up, their their best receiver, but they still have some playmakers there. DeAndre Square leads that defense. Incredible stat for them. They only have 10 sacks on the year. This is a team that usually gets after the quarterback, but they've given up 26. Now, they did miss Will Levis in one of those games, but he's back. He's blue-collar. What about Kentucky getting all those points going to Tennessee? Can they hang with the Vols? Can they shorten the game? Can they make it one of those games where they're able to get some ball control with Rodriguez in the offense? This is the opponent that Tennessee does not want to have to play, Kenny, this particular week. Number one, they've got the Georgia Bulldogs on deck next week. It's going to be very hard not to focus on that. Tennessee comes in here with 126 yards, the better defense in this contest here. Not the best team in the Southeast Conference and much, much better than a middle-rung team here. It's all about the coaching in this football game here, Kenny. Mark Stoops, their head coach, has been outstanding in his career against undefeated opponents. He's 15-5 and to the spread including 10-1 and one to the numbers, last 11 games against undefeated opponents here. That big gap defensively that goes to Kentucky here works here, one because of the look ahead and two because of the defense here. This is a game where Tennessee, I think, gets tripped up in the contest. It won't surprise me at all if Kentucky leaves Knoxville with the win. Wow, wouldn't surprise me either just because I respect Mark Stoops, but I really like Rodriguez, and Levis is a, is a gamer as well. Uh, Hooker better take care of that football. He was able to get away with that win against Alabama, but uh, nonetheless should be an interesting one from Knoxville. Mark Lawrence, Playbook Sports, let everybody know how they can get involved, get the newsletter, get all that great stuff, the great plays, all of it, Mark, and uh, also that coffee club that you throw in there for a bonus. Yeah, anybody that uh, subscribes to any of my services or publications receives the daily coffee club in their email each and every day. It's a nice, quick five-minute read about what's going on in the sports card that day. Any one of our three publications that we publish, the weekly newsletters, this week's newsletter is just jam-packed with a lot of great winning information, that I, a lot of which I just shared with you. You can check it out all online at playbooksports.com. Great stuff, Mark Lawrence. At Mark Lawrence on Twitter. Don't forget Mark's belt with a C. We'll do it again next Wednesday, Mark. You and Colleen have a great week. We'll talk to you then. Likewise, kind of you and Christy be well. Stay safe. There you go. Great stuff from Mark Lawrence. Segment number one in the books, Art Dice 21. That's right, my buddy Arthur DeCesar over there at the beautiful Westgate Superbook going to join me in just a couple minutes. Do not forget, go down there and check out the Preventative Diagnostic Center under the uh, careful eye of Dr. John Pierce and company. You got the 702 down. Write it down, 534-7900, 534-7900. If you fall in that demographic between 40 and 72, you can take advantage of the only scanner of its kind 
sign in the region that gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart, lung disease, cancer. It is awesome. It is the Preventative Diagnostic Center, 534-7900. Comfortable scan takes a few minutes, and a few days later, you get a detailed report from a board-certified radiologist. Heart CT scan, calcium score special. Get in there, get that, find out how you can get all the other organs checked out. But the heart CT scan calcium score special, $125 for a $600 value. Your significant other absolutely free. So a total of $125 for a $1,200 value. Guys, especially get in there, check it out. Make sure you don't have that Widowmaker clogging up. Don't need any massive heart attacks blindsiding you. It is so awesome to just know that you have uh, an opportunity to check out what's going on in your organs because we all guess right we we think that we're okay and you're like okay well I'm living okay and then you go back and you go yeah maybe this last month I didn't really take care of myself or I overdid it with with this kind of food or that you know what get in there get that peace of mind because early detection is key the preventative diagnostic center you can check out the scanner pdcenterlv.com pdcenterlv.com 702 you got down 534 7900 11 no Thompson SportsX Radio sent you. Take a break. Come back. Arthur DeCesar, Westgate Superbook. we got a lot to go over, including that fall classic that starts up Friday with Houston and the Phillies. We're live at Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo. Come on down and join me. Get some great grub. Take in some sports. Take in some spirits and some gaming. We'll be right back on 101.5 on the FM side, 720 on the AM side. You're listening to SportsX Radio. Curtis Mayfield coming back. Mark Hoke spinning the hits back at PSBR Law Studios. But I am, of course, Ken Thompson over here at Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo on Wednesday. He's been doing it here for a long time. One of three in the Vegas Valley to serve you. My good pal, Arthur DeCesar, Art Dice, at Art Dice 21. You can follow him on Twitter. He's over there at the beautiful Superbook. And uh, we will get into some of the big games that are coming up with, uh, we've got baseball, football, basketball, hockey. I mean, you name it. It's all going on. Golden Knights in action. Uh, the last two nights off tonight, but taking care of business and playing well. And got to congratulate Kessel getting that uh, that Ironman award, basically, for the most consecutive NHL games played. 990 straight passing Keith Yandel last night. And... Uh, you know, Art, I mean, you're a hockey guy. You love the Rangers. My God, I saw them tonight going to play the Islanders, and I'm like, gosh darn it, why wasn't I paying attention? I'm so mired in college football, NFL, all this stuff, the World Series, and I didn't even realize the blue shirts off the uh, shootout loss at the Garden were going to be playing the Islanders the following night because I'd have banked on the Islanders. There's just something about the Rangers when they play the Islanders with me that, yeah, I don't know, they just, they just don't beat them enough for my liking. But... Uh, your take, my man, on a pretty impressive streak there uh, for Phil Kessel over there uh, with the Golden Knights and getting that 400th goal last night. Very impressive, and the Knights have looked really good. They started off the season the way you'd want them to start off the season. I mean, you know, they really haven't played anybody, but you're still 6-2. and two. you got to like what you've seen out of them, you know. 
the basically the two best teams they've played, Calgary and Colorado, they lost to. They beat Toronto the other night, which was a good win, but they're beating up on some of the lower-tier teams right now, which is a good thing, and good for the Knights getting the wins. Like I said, sitting at 6-2, and two, they're right now at top of the Pacific, but you know, Colorado, has, I mean, Calgary hasn't played, has played two less games than them. So, you know, it's still early. And, uh, yeah, the Rangers are in a tough spot tonight. They lose last night in the shootout to the defending Stanley Cup champs. They have to play a back-to-back against their rivals. No Igor in goal. You know, that line was like minus 110, minus 115. Closed Islanders minus 145. So all the money came in on the Islanders because of the spot. And the spot made sense. The Rangers lost 3 nothing. How much money came in on the Lakers tonight? They're 0-3. I just didn't know if people are saying, yeah, they're going to continue to lose or, no, they're going to stop the bleeding in Denver because that's another one I probably would have looked at is taking the Nuggets, man. For for me, there's so many Laker fans here in uh, the Vegas area, but I'm just wondering what type of handle you had on that game tonight. Yeah, you know, KT, we always take Laker money. It's just the way it is. We have a big Laker fan base, obviously, in Vegas, being on the West Coast. Lakers are a national team. You know, we took some sharp money early in the day on the Lakers at plus six. You know, really only moved a half a point, but we always take Laker money, so we're always rooting against the Lakers. And obviously the Nuggets look really good right now. And I know before I hopped on with you, I saw it looked like Anthony Davis got hurt or was limping off or something like that. So that's something to keep your eye on as well. You know what? I just said that. I said that about 10 days ago. I said, you know what? Guaranteed Anthony Davis will be on the IL or DL, whatever you want to call it, with you know, at least two or three times a season. It's just it's sad. He's a he's a great talent, but at the end of the day, he's been so banged up over the last several years, the guy just cannot stay healthy. I mean, his body is just deficient in probably so many different areas because it's you know, it's probably tried to compensate, you know, different ways to take pressure off different types of injuries that he's had throughout his career. And it's it's uh it's not good if you're a Laker backer be if if you're counting on Anthony Davis because he's just not there, you know, at least uh, 40% of the season. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, LeBron is still LeBron. He's still out of this world and can still produce. But, I mean, the guy's in his, what, 21st year in the NBA. I mean, he needs help. Anthony Davis is a all-NBA, top-five, top-ten MVP type of talent. And if he's not going to be on the floor, the Lakers are thin, man. We know Russ ain't what he used to be. And if you just go down the roster, the roster is weak. And the Western Conference is really good. There are a lot of young teams that are going to run up and down and basically run the Lakers out of the gym. And that's kind of what Dallas is, or that's what uh, Denver's doing tonight. And that's what most teams have been doing against the Lakers early on in the season. All right. So what are we looking at uh, line for the series, Philly and the Houston Astros? And uh, Philly's going to throw Aaron Nola in that first game against Verlander, I guess. Uh, just didn't know what the line was as far as the series. I figured you had Houston somewhere around 180, 185 maybe. That's exactly what we have it as at KT. You know, when the games ended on Sunday, because obviously both teams wrapped up their respective pennants Sunday night, we opened Houston minus 180, take back on Philly as plus 160. There's been no move. We're still there. It's funny. With those games ending Sunday and the World Series game one not coming till Friday, MLB in the World Series has kind of been lost in the shuffle here. Obviously, you got NHL and NBA all week. You got football. You got college football. You got all these other things going on. There hasn't been a lot of buzz yet for this World Series. And that's the same thing with Game 1, Houston minus 160, take back on the Phillies plus 150, total of 6.5, juice to the over, minus 125. Like you said, great pitching matchup, Nolan Verlander. But it's just been – 
It's been tough to get people to come in and bet. That could change by tomorrow, and then, you know, once we get to Friday, maybe the buzz starts picking up, but not not much of a handle yet on this World Series. All right, so the NFL, you always have great handle there. Thursday night game, Baltimore at Tampa. Tampa's got a uh, mash unit, basically, with all the injuries uh, going into the game, but their skill position players, most of those guys are playing. Braid is out. Uh, they are missing a few other guys that you know, will uh, draw some attention. Antoine Winfield Jr., always like to have him in the secondary. He won't be around. Uh, Your take on this one with Brady and uh, Aaron Rodgers both kind of trending downhill. Mark Lawrence actually likes both those sides this week, Tampa Bay and Green Bay. I'm not going to put my money on either one of those teams. I I think people do that just because they expect it to the bleeding to stop. But if it were to me, if it were going to stop with Tampa Bay, it would have stopped at Carolina. And when you get whipped 21 to three by a Panthers team that just gave up their best offensive piece, I can't bet on you. I I, I get it. Maybe you can turn it around. But to me, you know, Brady, maybe he's playing like a 45-year-old man right now. What about the Buccaneers? They're still one and a half at the Westgate Superbook, 45 and a half your total. Yeah, and you know, KT, early on, it didn't stop people from taking Tampa. Baltimore was actually minus one and a half. And we took two sharp, respected bets on Tampa at plus one and a half. We got to a pick them by the time today and the market settled and we took more bets. We're now Tampa minus one and a half. So you've seen a three-point flip. Flip from one and a half to one and a half. And it's been nothing but Tampa money. Total sitting at 45 and a half. Not much movement there. And, you know, Thursday nights always are going to favor the home team. They're at home, short week. They don't have to travel. They're, you know, sleeping in their own beds, doing all that type of stuff. But, you know, Tampa, the only thing that helps Tampa is the division is so bad that, you know, maybe they could win nine games or ten games and still win the division because, the division's just not great. So, you know, Baltimore's been kind of spotty. They've been hit with the injury bug again. But I'm with you. I can't put my money on Tampa Bay right now. It's just no way I could do it. But I understand why people are betting them earlier this week. All right, so the Raiders are going to New Orleans. They come off the nice fourth quarter against Houston. And so that game looks like, you know, oh, if you didn't watch it, you're like thinking, oh, the Raiders just took care of business easily at Allegiant. But not the case. They trailed going into the fourth quarter. Now they go to New Orleans. Uh, I did tweet out something personally where Alvin Kamara says, I want to see, you know, all of us accountable. I'm like, okay, good. I can't wait for your court appearance here in Vegas in the offseason so you can be held accountable for stomping some guy, you know, in the face when he was unconscious. Unbelievable, that guy. But maybe that's the karma coming back on his ass right now. He has zero touchdowns uh, rushing the ball or receiving the ball. Uh, you know, I hope the I hope the Raiders are able to go in there. They're a one-and-a-half point favorite. Total 49-and-a-half. Uh, looking like Waller's back in action. And, uh, you know, they've got enough pieces there. It's just whether or not the defense can get some pressure on the opposing quarterback. And Andy Dalton will stay the starter, even though Jameis Winston is healthy. And that's been a problem for the Raiders. They only have nine sacks, six of those by Mac Crosby. And, uh, you know, so if, if Max is doing all the work there, I mean, he's got to get some help elsewhere. And uh, Deron Harmon, the veteran, 10-year veteran, stepped up nicely with the pick six last week, and that really opened things up there in the fourth quarter and sealed the deal. Your take on this one with the Saints catching one and a half at home, 49 and a half, because they're sitting at two and five, and they, like uh, Tampa Bay, are in that weak division. So, you know what? A win by New Orleans, all of a sudden, they're back in the thick of things in the NFC South. Absolutely. New Orleans wins. They're definitely back in the thick of things. There's no doubt about it. Saints usually are really good at home. Raiders are going to travel across the country, you know, play the early game, all that type of stuff. 
Man, the Saints are tough because, you know, Dalton is the starter, but they're so banged up with their receivers, Michael Thomas and Landry and just all the things. Kamara hasn't looked like himself. And, you know, the total total is the real thing that's moved in this game. We opened it as low as 46, now sitting at 49 and a half. So you've seen a three-and-a-half-point three move to the over. So a lot of over money's come in. You know, Raiders were sitting minus two. It's now one-and-a-half. And that really wasn't because of any sharper public money. It's kind of just been a market move, real split action on the side. Just like I said, the thing to report is all the over money that's coming. There you go. And I'd look at the Saints teased plus seven and a half while you can still get it up over a touchdown. Uh, again, the Raiders have that game and then they have, then they go to Jacksonville. So somehow, some way, if they can put together two road wins in a row and get to four and four, they too would be right back in the thick of things as far as playoff potential with nine games remaining. If they can get to four and four, that would be key after starting out one and four. We'll see how things pan out. Meanwhile, Dolphins would to a you know, don't elect to kick the field goal to go up nine, and it nearly came back to bite him. They were able to hold off on the uh, Sunday night game and take care of business, but, you know, it was it was sketchy to say the least, and uh, Pittsburgh nearly caught him there at the end. 16-10 was the final. Uh, Dolphins minus three and a half in Detroit. Lions off the bye, 51 and a half. Look, this Lions team, oh, no, not, not off the bye. Actually, they lost to Dallas 24-6. to So uh, a Lions team, they were off the bye prior to that game. Uh, you know, that offense was high-flying. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, the last two games, they put up a total of six points because they got shut out by New England. Your take on this one, Dolphins minus three and a half, 51 and a half with Tua back at the helm. Well, Tua was back, and they did get the win Sunday night, but they did not look great in that um, Steeler game. I know they were up 13 nothing, but they basically held on to win 16-10. to 10. It has not gone well for Detroit this year. Detroit sitting at one and five. They were kind of one of the darlings of the offseason, being on hard knocks. Everyone loved Campbell. This team is going to compete and play hard this year, and it just has not worked out for them. You know, listen, they're going to be at home. You would think they'd play a little bit better at home, but I don't know. Miami should score on that Detroit defense. I know, my, I know Detroit's offense is good, but didn't look good last week. I know the Cowboys' defense is good, but hard to take Detroit right now. You normally don't want to lay the three and a half because you're past the key number, especially with a road team. You always want to take home points, but it's hard for anyone, including myself, to want to back the Lions right now. I think Miami probably gets right playing against that defense, and their offense figures it out. Yeah, meanwhile, the Cardinals put up a boatload of points last Thursday, but they play a team that's off a bye, Minnesota. Kirk Cousins and the guys also favored by three and a hook, three and a half, total 49 from Minnesota. Uh, J.J. Watt happy now. He had his first kid a couple days ago with his wife, and uh, so his uh, emotions are probably a little bit preoccupied, but the offense, they got D-Hop back. Now they're without Hollywood Brown, but you brought in Robbie Anderson, uh, disgruntled Carolina Panther that got booted off the team, basically. Uh, your take on this one, cards are catching three and a half, total 49 against Minnesota off the bye. What do we see in this one? Can this Vikings team continue to play good, solid football? They're sitting at 5-1 and one right now and have a three-game lead in the loss column over Green Bay. Yeah, Minnesota very under the radar. Obviously, all the pub in the NFC is going to the Eagles, and it should. They're undefeated, but Minnesota sitting there at five and one, like you said, controlling the NFC North right now. Arizona, obviously, they'll be a lot better because they get an All-Pro player and Hopkins back. I don't like the Arizona team. I don't like the coach. I don't like the quarterback. Now they got to go on the road. Minnesota coming off the bye will be rested. Should probably be a lot of points in the game. Total is high at forty-nine, but you probably see kind of a mini shootout in this game. I would lay the three and a half with Minnesota. I think they are just way better than the Cardinals. 
And like I said, I love a team at home coming off a bye, especially a good team. All right, so both New York teams combined 11-3. and three. Your Jets are 5-2. and two. They lose Brees Hall, but they go out and grab James Robinson. I thought a good, solid move there. You know, Jacksonville's got the two backs, and Etienne's been playing well, so they took advantage there, and uh, that'll help out Carter there in the backfield. Uh, as long as he can learn the playbook, Robinson could be a, a, a nice uh, asset there for the, the uh, New York football Jets. Patriots off the Monday night loss, short week, but they're going back to Mac Jones, 40-and-a-half-year total. Can the Jets keep it going? I don't see why they can't. I mean, New England, that was a head-scratcher on Monday. Like, we were already, you know, New England was only sitting at 3-3, three and three, but we're all sitting there going, well, we like the defense, and they could ever kind of figure out the quarterback situation. Maybe Mac Jones isn't the answer. Maybe Zappi can give him some things. But, you know, for them to be down 10 nothing, then go up 14-10 and then basically get blown out the rest of the game, that's a tough one. It does happen. Jets, they traveled on the road. I know Denver was playing a backup quarterback, but they escaped with the win. Brees Hall, big injury, but, you know, this Jet team is feisty. The coach is good. This is a team that believes. Defense is pretty good. Obviously, Zach Wilson's a young quarterback, and this is a division rival. I mean, you always want to take home divisional dogs getting points. I would take the Jets getting the points. There you go, and the Giants, they're catching a field goal in Seattle. Geno Smith and the Seahawks playing good, solid ball, coming off the win against the Chargers, and the Giants continue to win 6-1. and one. My goodness, this is a key game now at 1.25 p.m., uh, marquee game, 44 and a half from Seattle. Who do you like? KT, it's incredible. The Giants, six and one. They're six and one against the spread as well. But they have been so disrespected by the betting markets this entire season. They're, and listen, I understand they're going to a tough place in Seattle. Seattle's playing well. I believe they're tied for first in their division. Geno has answered all the calls. So give all the credit to Seattle. Kenneth Walker looks like he could be a star. But, you know, the Giants, they just continue to be dogs and continue to be disrespected. I have sat here week after week and said, this is the week it ends. This is the week it ends. I actually think this is the week it ends for the Giants. I think they go to Seattle, play a tough, tight game, but I think they end up losing the game. Listen, Giants still had a great year and still got a lot of things ahead of them, but I don't know. There's something kind of special about that Seattle team. So All I'll right, so Seattle got about uh, two and a half minutes to go here. Let's uh, duck in a couple of the college games, the big games. Michigan State, Michigan, not a great year for Sparty, but they always get up for this game. Can they get up against this Michigan juggernaut? Uh, it's a Wolverines team under Harbaugh that's playing pretty good ball, and 22 and a half is the big line from Ann Arbor, 55 the total. Peyton Thorne better play his A game, and you're going to need Berger and Broussard and Collins to run the ball and kind of take some, uh, you know, shorten the game a little bit to keep McCarthy and that great running game with Blake Corum off the field and Ronnie Bell stepping up nicely, receiving that football. Your take on this one as it's 22-and-a-half in a rivalry game from Ann Arbor. It is a big number to lay, but Michigan State is no good. Michigan is really good. You know, total is probably the play here, the under 55. Michigan's only played one over game. Michigan will handle them. They'll handle them on the ground. I think they blow out Sparty. All right, then we've got Florida, Georgia, of course, still from Jacksonville. Kirby Smart saying, hey, why don't we do this as a home-and-home from now on? Anthony Richardson, can he get the offense together? Can they play some type of game under Napier uh, like they played against Utah in the opener? Now, this is a neutral field game. Remember, Georgia struggled, very fortunate to beat Missouri. And uh, only seven sacks on the year. I talked about that with the Georgia defense. Right now, uh, Georgia, big number as well, 22-and-a-half. It is. I mean, Florida's kind of had this up-and-down season. 
it's hard for me to go against Georgia. This is another one where a total is probably a good play. 56 and a half. Georgia's only played one over as well. You can see Georgia really limiting Florida and what they do. Maybe this game's got like a 34-17 type feel. So maybe Florida covers the game, but the game stays under. There's no way Georgia loses the game. All right. Any chance uh, Clifford and Penn State can hang there with Ohio State? They're in Happy Valley. I guess Singleton and Allen going to have to run the ball a little bit. Uh, Clifford pretty banged up, but he continues to gut it out. Uh, Washington and Tinsley, strange to tight end. They're going to have to do what they can, but they're going to get elevated from the crowd if they can get off to a decent start against that juggernaut of an offense. Ohio State with C.J. Stroud leading the way. And again, Jackson Smith and Jigba still not part of the offense. He will be playing in this game according to what we're seeing on the injury report. But Ibuka and Harrison Jr. have really carried the offense uh, as, as well as Williams and Henderson on the ground. Your take on this one. Well, Penn State loses a lot of juice by having this game be at 9 a.m., obviously 9 a.m. Vegas time. This isn't one of those night games, whiteout-type games. It's going to be tough for them to stop that offense. But Penn State will score as well. Money's been on Penn State, total at 61. Probably a good look on the over. Probably should be a lot of points in the game. Great stuff from a man at Art Dice 21 Follow him on Twitter, hour number one in the books. Ken Thompson, live Steiner's Pub. Come on down. Join me, 1750 North Buffalo, 101.5 on the FM side, 720 on the AM side. You're listening to SportsX Radio. You miss any part of the show, the archive's up by 11 o'clock. Live from Vegas, live from Steiner's. You're listening to SportsX Radio. I'll be right back. Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 9 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub with three locations one on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non invasive scan today. For peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com and by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. now. All right, KT Hour number two, live Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo again, three of them. Three of these great properties here in the Vegas Valley that will take care of you 24 hours a day, baby. That includes a full kitchen and uh, great food, outstanding food, homemade soups, like I told you, homemade salad dressing, so many things on there that are unique on the menu. So uh, check out all three locations, 1750 North Buffalo KT, always here Wednesday nights. Usually get here at about 6 and hang out till about 11. And uh, the other two, 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South, right there at Windmill, and then 8410 West Cheyenne on the west side. That is the original. Uh, again, the gaming, the spirits, the food, but the service. 
that kind of the explanation point right there. Great service at all three locations. That's a pet peeve for Roger Sachs. Make sure that his staff takes care of you, and you'll be glad that you visit it. Their hashtag is, I love this place, and I do, and I've been here at this location seven years now on Wednesday nights. Real quick before we get with Chuck Hayes, my good buddy, uh, let's go and uh, check out what's going on on the Rich Badge and Finley Toyota out of town scoreboard. Heat have really opened it up in the second half. Trailed this one early, but then grabbed a five-point lead at the half in Portland. And now Miami up 113-91, to 425 left in the fourth quarter. So they look like they'll easily cover that two-and-a-half-point number. And uh, Nuggets, 89-82, had the lead up to 15. Now it's down to 7, 8.50 to go fourth quarter. Do the Lakers avoid the Golden Sombrero, where they're going to be 0-4 if they lose this one? I'll keep an eye on it for you. Earlier tonight, Cavs, 103-92, a home win and a cover. Uh, 118-113, Hawks win. Pistons get the money as they were plus 7.5 on their home court game. Just barely gets over the 229.5. 118-113, hits 231. Knicks in overtime, slip past the Hornets at Madison Square Garden. Hornet backers get the money plus 7.5. 134-131, Knicks. Naturally, the game flies over with the extra five minutes. Bucks 110-99, they win at home. Was a close game with the Nets throughout, but then they pulled away in the fourth quarter. Giannis and the guys taking care of business on their home court. Minus 3.5, they cover that win it by 11 110 to 99 game stays well under the total raptors by 10 over the sixers philly continues to struggle not making my buddy mark hoke happy uh 119 109 the final toronto wins it uh game does get up and over the total and toronto covers the slight one point number 134 122 t wolves beat the spurs big second half anthony edwards at 34 leading the way there for minnesota game flying over the total bulls 124 109 get past indiana at home they cover that seven point number in that game Pushes actually it pushes the opening number of 233 went to 233 and a half some places you could have got burned by that hook and then the Jazz have just finished off the Rockets 109 101 laying eight that up to eight and a half so it depends when and where you played it as uh, that right around the number there and the game staying well under the total so keep an eye on those two basketball games that are still going I'll get you finals before we get out of here only NHL game still going after two it's two to two Tampa Bay and Anaheim and the other two finals Islanders shut out the Rangers three nothing on the island three to one Edmonton wins under the arch in St. Louis so look at the Rich Badge and Finley Toyota out of town scoreboard welcome in my good buddy Chuck Hayes he's uh, of course part of the tandem there with coach Harvey Hyde on the Trojan Report Saturday nights right here on KDW and Chuck, uh, how was your stay in Connecticut? You're not still back east, are you? No, I'm in Southern California getting ready for USC Arizona this Saturday. And then, of course, in SoFi for the 49ers and the Rams. Uh, just an interesting time of the year, Ken. It's starting to be fall-like. Uh, I saw a little preview of it in New England. But back here in Southern California, it's about, uh, oh, I would say 60 degrees on a Beautiful Wednesday night. Looking forward to talking football with you. Yeah, you know, I always enjoy talking football with you. I mean, we can take a couple hours, but it's it's great to go, you know, about 40 minutes unplugged, 40, 45 minutes unplugged with Chuck Hayes. And uh, let's get going. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit on uh, before we get rolling on the Rams game with the Niners. Let's talk about some of the teams in the NFL that have been big surprises one way or the other. Let's start with the New York teams, the New York Giants and the New York Jets, Chuck Hayes. Uh, let's start with the Jets, the green and white, sitting at 5-2. and two. Zach Wilson, not putting up the greatest stats, but he is back leading that offense. Uh, run game gets dinged up pretty good with uh, Brees Hall going down, but they signed James Robinson from Jacksonville. The defense playing well enough. Uh, they gutted it out over there in Denver, got the win, an ugly game, but the Jets will take it to go to 5-2. and two. They also stole one there from Cleveland earlier, but you know what? You get those W's, all of a sudden you start getting confidence. 
Talk to me about this Jets team. Are they for real? Are they good enough to make the playoffs? And can they beat New England, their arch nemesis, this week to go to 6-2? and two? Well, they'll be in the Meadowlands, and uh, it reminds me of, uh, and I'm really going to show my uh, my uh, dates on this one, uh, 1971, Jim Plunkett in Foxborough versus Mike Tolliver. That goes way, way back. And uh, anytime the Pats and the, and the uh, uh, Jets get together, there's always fireworks. Remember Mangini? And uh, and Belichick and there was the the taping and all the things that were going on and they were they were wearing the mics and getting the NFL uh, live cuts basically from NFL films and then matching it up to game footage with the call. I mean it, it goes on and on and on with the Jets. They're, it's New York versus Boston. What could be better? This is the Knicks, the Knicks and the Celtics, the Bruins and the. Uh, and the Rangers, the Red Sox, and the Yankees. This is the way it is. But right now, the Jets right have the upper hand. This is this is their game. This is where they they put their their talking points on the line. Uh, every time I watch those morning shows where they talk about the NFL, I know they're always New York centric. And so, if the Jets put it hurting on the Patriots, and Zach Wilson, uh, you know, has a great game and. And Robert uh, Saleh uh, gives uh, Belichick uh, a schooling. Uh, then the uh, discussion points about when, where, and how will the Patriots ever turn it around? Because everybody, you know, they're everyone hates that winner. You know, they hate that winner. But with the Jets, I think more of a, a philosophy thing that they've they've turned the corner. They've they've really believe in themselves now. And coming off, you know, they, they took care of business against against Denver. Uh, they're um, they're playing better overall, and I think Zach Wilson is maturing. He came off an injury, and I think that was something they thought they were snake bit. So, you know, having to go with Joe Flacco as the backup, nothing against Joe, but you know, I think he's a little bit past his prime. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they can look at New England and just not look at Belichick, just. You know, play the team and see if they can get after Mac Jones, get some pressure there, and keep it going. If they get to six and two, and New England drops two in six days, that'll be interesting because they come off that home loss that really shocked the nation when the Bears went in there, had that lead, gave it up, and then came back with the last uh, 23 points to win that one, 33 to 14 on Monday. And Justin Fields looked really solid. I mean, that's the best he's looked. There's no question about it. Uh, but the Bears embarrassed New England, and we'll see if the Pats can get it back together. Now, what about the Giants? They're going to be playing in Seattle, and there's going to be rain there for sure. It's 86% chance of rain. Seattle kind of used to that because uh, they get a lot of rain up there. So, you know, the Giants, not that it doesn't rain in Jersey because I know it did in a lot of Sundays because my dad would be whining and crying that his day off. How could it be raining? Well, is what it is. But at the end of the day, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and this Giants team also finding ways to win, sitting at 6-1, and one, had that uh, come-from-behind victory again. And they've done a lot of them in the second half. But, you know, getting the win in Jacksonville, that was key because that was one the Jags really needed. Giants at 6-1, and one, still behind Philadelphia, who's unblemished and is coming off a bye. Your take on this game, Giants catching three in Seattle. Well, to be completely honest, there's a lot of family members, a lot of friends who are huge Giants fans. Uh, when the Giants came out to play in the Rose Bowl uh, for that Super Bowl against the Broncos, there was a caravan that came to my apartment in Los Feliz and came morning, took them over the hill, 
into uh, the Arroyo Seco for them to, to watch the Giants beat the uh, the Broncos. I've always been a Daniel Jones guy. A lot of people would question that. I thought his abilities, uh, his mobility, his accuracy, uh, I just don't, I think he was with too many different systems. Now it seems to be slowing down a little bit for him. However, he's going to go up against a guy in Geno Smith, who I saw last Sunday uh, take care of business against the Chargers. His numbers were not spectacular, but he was accurate. And he had one pick. Uh, through a pass that got uh, right in the uh, midsection of one of the receivers and it popped up, and that was the only interception of the day. He's almost 74%. Uh, they're running the football. So here's what the Giants need to do. They need to shut down the run. Kenneth Walker the third uh, had a big outing over 158 yards and a long 74-yard yard touchdown run. They've got to get Geno Smith off his mark. They've got to get pressure to him. And Leonard the Big Cat Williams out of the University of Southern California has to be that guy to to make it happen to wreck havoc. And, oh, by the way, there's another guy on the other side of the field, Dory Jackson. Maybe he can pick a two, a pass or two off or, or make a play, and the Giants can get a chance to go to, believe it or not, 7-1. and one. That's what's right in front of them. That if they take care of it, they're going to come back there, and they're going to be, you know, at least in the in the um, in the track meet with what the Eagles are doing. So, I like what Seattle did. I, they really dominated. They got out to a seventeen nothing lead, Ken, and the, you know the Chargers did come back, but they withstood the momentum surge, and Pete Carroll's got them playing. And when Pete's having a good time, and you can tell the team's having a good time, they're believers. And it's on Geno Smith. Uh, you know, whatever people have said over the years, uh, I've been a person that was not the biggest Geno Smith fan. He made me a believer on Sunday. All right. So the Eagles, speaking of the Eagles, they come off the bye. They're at home against the Steelers, who come off the tough Sunday night loss in Miami. Never gave up in that game. Got down 13 nothing, but we're right there at the end. But the Eagles go out and grab Robert Quinn. You know Robert Quinn from his Rams days. Talk to me about that acquisition, what that'll help as far as for Philadelphia's pass rush and uh, stopping the run potentially, uh, you know, strengthening a good, solid team. They're trying to put a couple more cogs in place to make that run for the Super Bowl. Robert Quinn is a man. He's a guy that that can make plays and and really be disruptive. Uh, I'm not sure if he still wears the sweatpants before the game like he used to when he was with the Rams. It was like a thing. Everybody else would be out there. They're in a regular uniform. And right before he would go on the field, he'd then take the sweats off. But uh, he is a guy that's been uh, traveled around a little bit. Uh, He was with Dallas. I believe he was with Miami uh, before he was with the Cowboys. uh, And then uh, now with an Eagle. So he brings a maturity, and he's a, I hate to call him a mercenary, but, you know, it's good that somebody wants you. I mean, he gets in a better better scenario. He can be very disruptive and – a guy that uh, can really wreak havoc on Kenny Pickett. Uh, I watched Pickett uh, against Miami. He just made rookie throws. He he has a lot of confidence and he's a leader. But again, you got to wonder. You know, Mitch Trubisky's backing him up. Whether or not Trubisky's the right guy, and and what do we what are we going to say about the Steelers? You know, um, is Mike Tomlin's only been the third guy since? Geez, I can't remember. I mean, before that was uh, 
Bill Cowher, and before that was Chuck Knoll. Think about that, Ken. Is that the most amazing coaching statistic for about organizational uh, belief in a, in, a, in a person, that they have only had three coaches over that period of time? When Look at the Cleveland Browns. My goodness gracious. But they're struggling right now, and I don't, you know, George Pickens shows a lot of uh, a lot of potential, and uh, it's just going to be a scenario where the Eagles are rested, the, um, the Steelers, you know, had a tough loss. So Nick Sirianni, he's a guy that's it's going on, but this is the battle of the Keystone State. You know, there's a lot going on in the political world. Well, guess what? These are two constituents that do not like each other. Pittsburgh does not like Philly, and Philly does not like Pittsburgh. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, yeah, the uh, boy, that was one of the most embarrassing things ever. I mean, and you look at Fetterman, the guy looks like a, uh, a former football player, but my God, he looked like a former football player that got his bell rung 30, 40 times away. He was talking, look, you never want to make uh, sport of a guy that had a stroke, but at the end of the day, it doesn't get much worse than that for the Dems, man. Uh, let's keep it, though, in sports. Let's move on. I had to get my two cents in there. Uh, let's uh, jump over to the Cardinals and Vikings because Arizona found a way to get a couple pick sixes off Andy Dalton late in the first half, and that gave him a 14-point cushion. Going into halftime, they were able to beat New Orleans last week, but that game really turned on a dime because uh, Dalton, had a touchdown on the board and was driving for another and threw an interception in the end zone. They ended up uh, giving up a field goal, and then they scored another touchdown themselves. So they were up 14-3 in that game. Could have been up 21-3. And then, of course, those uh, those two interceptions right before uh, halftime. And next thing they know, they were going like, what happened? We thought we'd be ahead 21-3. Now we're down 28-14. And give Arizona credit, they were able to take that and run with it and get that confidence they needed to get uh, their offense solidified and rolling in the second half in Arizona. Now the Cardinals head to Minnesota, and it's the uh, Vikings. Minus three and a half, total of 49. Where are you going on this one with the Vikings team off a bye that sits five and one, three games ahead in the loss column on Green Bay? Let me tell you this, Ken, as someone who loves to throw the football around, imagine being able to throw to DeAndre Hopkins or Justin Jefferson. Those two are so phenomenal at what they do, they make it look so easy. and I remember when uh, the Vikings got rid of Diggs. I said, what are they doing? And then I saw Justin Jefferson play, and I said, he is as good, if not better, than anyone I've ever seen play that position. And that's a, I've seen a lot of great receivers, but he is right there. And he has a guy in the slot, Adam Thielen, that can make all the plays. Uh, Kirk Cousins, he just keeps rolling along. And under Kevin O'Connell, they're they're having success. So, you know, you got a little different philosophy. Mike Zimmer is gone. You got the offensive friendly head coach, coordinator making things happen. Now, in Arizona, let's not underestimate Zach Ertz and what he does. Uh, DeAndre, James Conner is a, a really solid running back. Kyler Murray, uh, again, just a different kind of player. And if uh, the Vikings can get to him or, or force him, so that he has to throw in a throwing lane and not let him get outside the pocket, they might have success. And uh, every game that J.J. Watt plays for the Cardinals, he gives it his all. He's not the same player he was at Houston, but again, he's an emotional, spiritual leader of that defense, and he's a guy that is a veteran. You know, He reminds me of, of, of the, the patience and the maturity of what Reggie White did 
for um, the Packers. I think, you know, they may not win the Super Bowl in Arizona, but what J.J. Watt brings to that team and the work ethic and what he does – it's uh, it's of that same uh, same caliber that Reggie Reggie brought to that uh, those teams. Yeah, no doubt, and it is uh, it's good to see him as the family man. I know he'll be one heck of a dad and a proud dad uh, this week as uh, his wife delivered their first child. Uh, as we look at some of the other key games, uh, the Raiders, of course, coming off the win, big fourth quarter. Uh, trailed going into that fourth quarter against the Houston Texans right here, but you know Josh Jacobs been running the ball really well. They have still yet to. You know, have everybody on the field at the same time, all their weapons. Uh, Waller should be back for this one, and they got to travel to New Orleans and then follow that up with a trip to Jacksonville. So, a couple road wins. Next thing the Raiders know, they could be four and four. But if they lose this game to the Saints, it's going to be tough to uh, get back up and try and get a road win in Jacksonville. Saints are plus one and a half. Raiders are favored on the road. Uh, Saints have Jameis Winston back as far as health-wise, but they're going to throw Andy Dalton. Dalton has uh, put up some good stats outside of the interceptions. I mean, that's been the problem. A couple of those uh, pick sixes have been costly and uh, cost him some wins, but he looks comfortable back there, the aging veteran. Your take on Derek Carr and the Raiders, you know, don't want to ride Jacobs too much when you have all those weapons that you can pass the ball to. Offensive line still has to hold up against that Saints defense, and we know they play much better in the Dome. Your take on this one, Raiders favored one and a half on the road, 49 and a half against New Orleans. Well, it's interesting. Josh McDaniels and Dennis Allen, okay, uh, <laughs> playing with uh, Andy Dalton, who's mature. Um, Jameis is spectacular when he when he is playing, and he's got Kamara, and he's got Chris Olave, and again, uh, I I just wonder. I wonder about the Saints. I I just you know that that drop off when you know Breeze left and Peyton left. That was not anything you had to worry about. You didn't you didn't worry about their offense and how much production it would have. And you know you put up 34 against against a team in the NFL, and you expect your defense to be able to to hold it. But when you know that two of those were pick sixes, you take that away, and you didn't really have that great an offensive day. So uh, on the road in New Orleans, uh, a place that um, again there's a re. re uh, remembrances of John Matuzak in regards to the Super Bowl and what they did when they went down and played the Eagles back in the day. Uh, New Orleans has always been a place that the Raiders have uh, had good success. And, uh, again, this is going to be one of those things where Derek Carr cannot turn it over. Jacobs has to control the clock. And Devontae Adams and Renfro and Darren Waller, they got to have big outings. So, this, you know, like you say, you're in there in the midst of it. Team offense means let let Derek play action pass, get Jacobs going early, and I think they'll have success. Packers and Bills, what about Aaron Rodgers and the pack? Bills come off the bye. Mark Lawrence thinks that the Packers have a chance to actually surprise and potentially win that game. I don't see it. I mean, I know Buffalo's off the bye, but... You know, I watched what they did to Pittsburgh, and I wasn't afraid to lay the 14 there. I know 11 and a half looks like a lot, especially in the NFL. 
but I sure can't back this Packers team because there's inconsistency in the strength of the team that I thought going into the season offensively was going to be the tandem of Aaron Jones and Dylan. And they have been underused. And I think Rodgers is trying to, you know, get other receivers involved. Uh, Tunyon's been around for a little bit. And, he, you know, we know that, uh, you know, Lazard's a pretty good receiver. But, you know, he's trying to break in some of these other guys, losing Valdez Scantling and, of course, Devontae Adams. And so I think there's too much effort as far as to, to pass the ball and get guys involved and not take advantage of two solid running backs in your backfield, you know, shortening games against some of these teams. I mean, if they do that effectively against Buffalo, they can hang in there. But if Aaron Rodgers is going to try and beat teams, I mean, he may make two or three decent passes on a drive, but then there's that bad pass, and that bad pass is going to be picked off or or put him behind the chains, and next thing you know, that drive is short-circuited. With Josh Allen at home on a Sunday night game, I don't see them being short-circuited at all. I think this team is the real deal, and I think, you know, maybe Kansas City is the only one, uh, and, and Cincinnati, that may have something to say about it before it's all said and done if everyone stays healthy on all these rosters, which is always a stretch. But your take on this one, Buffalo at home, 11.5, 47.5 against Rodgers in the pack. When, when Rodgers is on and, his, and he's focused, there's nobody better in the game. I, the guy just throws one of the m- most pretty passes, and he's so accurate, but what you get from him sometimes, and I think if you're a football player, you're a team guy, you feel that he's a little bit too much of an individual. I mean, sure, the quarterback is always that guy. But, Ken, let me tell you, when the Chargers were playing at Home Depot in Carson, okay, very small venue, under 25,000 seats, I watched Aaron Rodgers play what I would call um, at only about 60%. He he came out. He throw the ball around. He get any kind of pressure, and he would just have this attitude about his offensive line. Where oh, I'm going to have to run today. That's not that's not what I do. Let's let's get it together, guys. I don't want to be doing this. And you just wonder sometimes about that because he gives them an attitude, and th- whether he's up for it to play or you know he's a professional, he's going to go out there and do his best. But sometimes you wonder exactly what the motivation is from him and if things aren't going good early you know he's got to fight through it hey the bills are tough man they they got the super bowl marked they know where it is they want to go to arizona they felt cheated last year so uh i think this is one of those games where uh the energy of the young buck of, of josh allen going against rogers don't think that they're not competitive don't think that uh, they don't want to make plays and, and show that who's the best guy in the game. And uh, this is a game that when they put it on uh, prime time, there's a reason for that. And that's because the Bills are a prime time team and the Packers are still looking for an identity. Yeah, and uh, again, it's that offensive line. I mean, I talked about Bakhtiari uh, always seemed to be on the uh, injured list, but Jenkins, the left guard, he's questionable for this one as well. Uh, their center is down. I mean, it's a makeshift offensive line at best, and, you know, you have those running backs, Jones and Dillon, but if you don't have the guys to open up holes, 
or, or protect, uh, you know, you're going to be up against it. And Buffalo's going to bring it. It's a, it's a complete team. There's no question it's a complete team. And guys, the youngster out of Nevada, Romeo Dubs, these guys have to catch the ball when it is put on their hands. But uh, I just see too many weapons for Buffalo. And when you give me Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs, I mean, these guys are just looking to up their stats. And then when you think you got them covered, Josh Allen's going to take off. And he's not just going to look to get out of bounds. He's going to knock you over if you're a secondary player. And uh, that's why I think Buffalo, as long as they stay uh, healthy, they're still the team to beat. There's no question. There's a reason why they're 2-1 to one at the Westgate Superbook right now to win the Super Bowl, not the AFC, to win the Super Bowl. I'm glad I took them when they were 5-1 to one after their opening game, so got some value there. Uh, move on down real quick, and uh, before we get to those Rams and 49ers, what about the Chargers? They're on a bye week along with Kansas City. J.C. Jackson out for the season, and Mike Williams banged up as well. Uh, Keenan Allen only a couple receptions for 12 yards last week against Seattle. What about this Charger team? Because they look like a mess right now. It was a struggle, and uh, Seattle really put it on them. And then, you know, when uh, J.C. got hurt, it was awful. It was on a on a route to the end zone, and he went off, and, and he got up and, and got up in the air. And as when he came down, it was gone. Uh, the same thing with Mike Williams. He's got a high ankle. And Keenan Allen just has not been productive coming off the injury. Uh, they're still searching for that running game. Austin Eckler, they, they, they really bottled him up. And Justin Herbert, I, I still think, is hurt. You know, he, he threw one bad interception, very unlike him, but he forced the football in into triple coverage and, and, and got picked. And you have those days, but again, you wonder what's going on. There's so many players out. There's so much um, um, stress in regards to who, what, where, and, and who's ready to go. And it's the next man up there. And uh, this is, uh, this is a, a telling time. They better, they better get it together pretty quickly because right now they're, they're losing the momentum that they, they had. I mean, they were on a little bit of a roll. Uh, and then when, when Herbert got hurt, Everyone said, hey, what's, why are you rushing him back so fast? And he's been playing, and he's been serviceable, but he's just not been this, the same special player. And now the national media is starting to question what's all the hype about Justin Herbert because they're not winning. And, again, everybody that is a quarterback of the top you know, echelon is judged by their wins and losses. There you go. All right. Well, the Rams off the bye. They've got a big game against a team that's had their number over the last few years, and that's the San Francisco 49ers. Now, Debo Samuel banged up with a hamstring, uh, did not practice uh, yesterday. I had seen. I did not see if he if he practiced at all today. Uh, we know Juszczyk is out with that broken finger. Jawan Jennings banged up with a hamstring as well. So they're not coming in 100%. We know Nick Bosa was nursing that uh, groin, and uh, they were not effective defensively against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas the City Chiefs. Now, it's still one of the most potent offenses in the game, but at the end of the day, the Niners, usually at home, are able to hang with you, and when that defense is healthy, they're able to get after you, and they didn't do that at all as Mahomes threw for over 400 yards. Uh, your take on this one with the Rams off the bye, uh, what are we looking at from the uh, from the Rams as far as coming into this game? How do you see them solving the 49ers? Because now Christian McCaffrey will have a week of practice under his belt with his new team, and you know he'll be chomping at the bit to get a W there with the Niners. Your take on this one with the Rams at home, but they're one-and-a-half point dogs to those 49ers. Excited to see McCaffrey again. I saw him two weeks ago when he was playing for Carolina, and he looked sharp. He looked spectacular. It almost was like an audition, like, hey, 
I'm, I can still play. When I'm healthy, I can still make plays. And, you know, again, I think that gives them some luxury that if Debo's uh, – a little bit banged up, he could take a little pressure off of him and, and really, you know, cre- create some more matchup uh, issues. When you know that, whenever you get those double teams out there, that gives Kittle single coverage. And uh, one thing I do know is Garoppolo knows how to find and get the ball to Kittle. Now, from the Rams, it's a broken record. They cannot run the football. Their offensive line is so beat up. But uh, Allen Robinson is starting to make some plays. Cooper Cup, still phenomenal. You know, he's he's got, got almost a thousand yards in receptions and, and making things happen. Uh, well, not a thousand yet. He's almost about seven hundred. Let me take that back. Um, Van Jefferson is being spoken about as being back. That will help the deep threat. Daryl Henderson looks like he's the guy. Cam Akers, uh, they supposedly have him on the block. Uh, they just have to decide how they want to go about protecting Matthew Stafford and getting the ball out of his hands quickly. So the big three guns, Donald, Wagner, and Ramsey, are all playmakers. And, again, they've got to get to Garoppolo early and often and, again, uh, shut down Debo because Debo Samuels, I put him in that Justin Jefferson uh, conversation, Stephon Diggs, spectacular, makes all the plays. The, the good thing is, too, that uh, Skoranek has stepped up and made some key receptions. So while you're paying attention to Robinson, who's starting to come on, but, of course, Cooper Cup, you got to always – and Higby, of course, pretty solid tight end. Uh, all of a sudden, Skoranek has stepped up, but uh, he's, he doesn't have the speed that a Van Jefferson possesses, of course, but he does have pretty short hands, so it's good to have somebody that can be another possession receiver when Cooper Cup is doubled up like he is almost every play. Uh, defense will have to hold their own as well, and uh, it will be interesting to see San Francisco's offense now that they've had a chance to work with McCaffrey for a full week of practice. So looking forward to that game. That'll be one of the marquee games in the afternoon, and uh, you know, I expect you know a lot of quality football this week as we have everybody in action outside of, as we said, the Chiefs and the Chargers. Uh, the Monday night game, real quick, the Bengals and Browns, because the Bengals to me are still one of the most dangerous teams in the AFC because we concentrate on Buffalo and Kansas City, and we figure that's going to be it. That'll be your AFC championship game. But the Cincinnati team, they got experience last year in the postseason, and they got all the way to the Super Bowl and nearly won it, lost a close one to the Rams. I, I love Joe Burrow. I mean, he's just a likable guy, man. If you don't have a dog in the fight, if you're not a an anti-Bengal guy, I mean, how can you not like Joe Joe Burrow? And and uh, and Jamar Chase just makes some phenomenal receptions. You talk about, you know, uh, Jefferson. I mean, Jamar Chase to me is the real deal as well. Bengals are minus three and a half. They're at Cleveland. Brownies, uh, they they need to get it together. They've lost a couple close ones. I we know Brissett's not the answer as a starter. Uh, he puts everything into every game. There's no question he tries hard uh we heard there's a chance kareem hunt could be on the move the trade deadline a week from yesterday your take on this game bengals and browns battle of ohio on halloween a lot of orange in that game and it'll be a lot of fun to watch uh bengals though to me are dangerous and if they can you know uh kind of put some successive wins together i i think they're the team that's going to win that afc north i think they're better than baltimore what's your take well, this is exciting for the state of Ohio because uh, Paul Brown, the founder of the uh, of the Cincinnati Bengals, used to be the domo of the Cleveland Browns, and it goes back in history. And this is Midwest NFL. It doesn't get any better than that. Now, 
Kevin Stefanski, you know, he's had a good record against uh, against the Bengals, and Zach Taylor has struggled against the Browns. So when you look at at the talent, and and you know, it's a great great matchups. You mentioned Burrow, Mixon, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. You're going up against Brissett, and uh, again, they lost to the to the Ravens only 23-20, okay? They, this team was not expected to do anything without Deshaun Watson. Nick Chubb's a workhorse. Hunt, if he gets his head right, is a contributor. Amari Cooper, we all know about him. Donovan Peoples-Jones makes plays. And then on defense, Miles Garrett, hopefully he's uh, recovered fully from that automobile accident, which, thank goodness, uh, no one was seriously hurt in that. It was just a very frightening deal. Uh, these two teams do not like each other. These two franchises don't like each other. It's a great rivalry. It's uh, in Cleveland, so I would give the you know the the Browns uh, you know three points there, and uh, it's going to come down to who doesn't turn it over, you know. And we know that Brissett, you know, he's uh, he's more of a turnover machine than Burrow, and that's going to be the difference. And and hopefully. Uh, everyone there gets a chance to see the showcase of the skills. Because what you mentioned about, you know, for for Burrow, I mean, think about it. He went to Ohio State. He's playing in Cleveland for the Cincinnati Bengals. Is it getting more Ohio than that? Yeah, not only that, he's from Athens, Ohio, which is where the Ohio Bobcats hail from. But, you know, couldn't break in that lineup there with the Buckeyes, goes down to LSU and wins a national title there with the Bayou Bengals, man. Joe Burrow, what a great story. And it is a lot of fun to watch them. But, I, I mean, how cool is that on Halloween to have all that orange there, Cincinnati at Cleveland. Let's jump over to college football, Southern Cal off a bye. Yep, playing Arizona this week, and it's a much-improved Arizona team and an exciting team, you know, and Delora, we knew he's a pretty good quarterback when we watched him up at Wazoo. The guy can wing it around, Uh, you know, so Arizona has held its own, and even when they went up to Washington, you know, they lost that game 49-39, but they were down early, and it looked like they could get blown out. They never quit, and Fish has his team playing pretty good ball. Your take on that one with USC and Arizona, uh, you know, Trojans off the bye again, you know, tough loss to Utah by a point. But uh, I think USC still controls their own destiny as far as the playoff. And, you know, of course you're going to need a couple teams to lose that are in front of you. But they're, you know, they're sitting there at number 10. Their only loss is a one-point loss in a game that they led, you know, 90% of the game at Utah. And, again, you know, some questionable calls there is what it is. They they lost. Give Rising and Whittingham credit. They got the two-point conversion on top of the touchdown. But I thought a couple gift calls up there in Salt Lake. Uh, I think USC's offense is good enough. And I like the way the defense has played in uh, in, in certain instances in, in some of the games so far this year. Uh, but Arizona, they better not take them lightly because the uh, Wildcats are a team that can put points on the board. Ken, it's interesting. Arizona has a coaching staff that includes Dwayne Walker, who used to be uh, at UCLA, and of course was an assistant at SC. It's got Brennan Carroll, who is Pete Carroll's son. Johnny Nansen used to be the recruiting coordinator at USC. And Fish was an assistant uh, at UCLA and then went to the the Rams and uh, is out of the Steve Spurrier school. Arizona is dangerous because they got nothing to lose. This is a this is a season for them. That's a that's a building block. They're they're looking to take that next step, and uh, you know they handled their business against Colorado. 
They lost to Oregon. They lost to Washington. They lost to Cal. That's probably the worst loss on there that they lost to to the to the Golden Bears. But there's a lot of Southern California kids on this on this roster, and you know that the student body Halloween weekend in Tucson with USC coming to town, that is a party. And if they show any type of ability to play with SC early on. It's going to be a builder of momentum and belief. And uh, right now, Jordan Addison is struggling uh, with a lower leg injury. Um, Eric Gentry has been day-to-day. So we don't know exactly which USC team is going to show up. There's been a lot on Caleb Williams' shoulder. But, you know, Travis Dye has been, for what I call, the guy that straw that stirs the drink. I think he's the MVP of the team. And uh, their other secondary receivers are going to have to step up in this pass happy offense. And again, on uh, SC going on the road in Tucson, uh, you never know. You really don't know what. Lincoln Rod has not been there. He's not coached a game against Arizona. Uh, the scouting report, I'm sure, is uh, is going to change in regards to what Dwayne Walker does. He's a he's a master. At, uh, at shutting people down. Do they have the athletes? I'm not really sure. We won't know until after we watch, uh, I would say, the first quarter on Saturday. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Jacob Cowing, the uh, transfer coming over from UTEP, is the real deal. I mean, this kid uh, makes some real nice catches, and he's a, he's a gamer, so you got to know where he is at all times. And if they can uh, get the running game going a little bit, Arizona may be able to hang in there. It's a lot of points, 15-and-a-half. I wouldn't lay it. Uh, Again, you can get involved as games are going, and I think that's one of the games that I wouldn't get involved in with SC coming off the bye until I saw maybe you know seven, eight, nine minutes of action to kind of get a gauge on how things are going in the trenches. Uh, but it will be interesting to see if SC can get up off the mat uh, off the bye and just go in and try and take care of business because if they run the table and their only loss is a one-point loss at Rice-Eccles Stadium in a game that they led most of the way, there's a good chance they can find themselves in the playoff. But that's you know a lot of football football down the line that would include uh, you know potentially a, a uh, win against Oregon who right now is unbeaten there in the pack well is, is yeah in the pack 12 they're they're the team right now that you know people have to worry about now a lot of people threw them in the trash after they got blown out by Georgia but that game wasn't as uh, one-sided as the final score and it's hard to say that when you see a final score of 49 to three but if you watch the first half and Bo Nix a couple uh, drives that he had going one turns into a pick six and goes the other way a long one and uh, that's a 14 point swing right there so you know football's a game of momentum you played the game and all of a sudden you, you know you're there you're thinking you're hanging with this uh, defending national championship team in their state and next thing you know uh, things get turned upside down but I like the way that Bo Nix has played I mean he looks as good as Auburn ever thought he was going to be and uh, so you know he's somebody that you know you better watch out for if you're in the Pac-12 because Oregon looks pretty darn good and whenever they get anybody at Autzen Stadium they're a bear, no question. Well, here's the thing. I mean, maybe it takes a little bit of time when you're a you know, grad transfer, you come in and you get settled into a new program. I'm not really sure if he was in spring football. I think he was, but still, you have a short practice and you have all that off-season program, but you got to go play. And, uh, you know, there's no bigger bigger challenge than to go down to Atlanta to play a season opener, especially when you're with a brand-new team and, I always thought that when SC went on the road to um, play Alabama that time in Jerry World, that in the uh, previous Holiday Bowl, Max Brown was backing up uh, Cody Kessler. He did not get one snap in that game. So he was coming in 
to play Alabama without having taken any snaps. I, I just never understood it. So everyone needs to get their feet wet and get settled in, and Nix did that and was tremendous against a good UCLA team, but he handled it. He handled it. I mean, he was the leader, and, you know, he reminded me a little bit of Cam Rising. I mean, we start looking at quarterbacks in the Pac-12. You got Caleb, you got Cam, you've got uh, – um, Bo and uh, Dorian Thompson Robson did not have the game that you know everyone thought he was going to have, and Nick's really came out as the leader of uh, of that team. So I think him and Rising are are one one A, and uh, Caleb Williams, of course, is right there also. Yeah, no doubt. That Oregon was a big play for me. I just know Autzen Stadium. Uh, it's just one of those places, and Lanning's done a nice job getting that team regrouped. So uh, I'd like to see USC and Oregon play if uh, both teams can continue. Look, USC's still going to have to take care of business against UCLA, and again, they cannot overlook uh, Arizona, but uh, they do not play Oregon in the regular season, so it'll be fun to see if those two can match up later on down the line. What's your take on the Bruins going into their bye week and uh, coming off that tough loss at Autzen Stadium? It was a big disappointment. You expected more. Um, defensively, they did not have an answer for Oregon. And, again, you, you can't win championships. Uh, I mentioned this when we were talking with Coach about it. You give up. You score a certain amount of points. You expect to be able to win. And when you're you know, giving up in the 40s, you're, you're not going to win football games. And, and that was the difference. And uh, I think UCLA is um, – a team that you know has some some good opportunities ahead of it. How they handle Stanford coming in, it's going to be very interesting. Saturday night, seven thirty in the Rose Bowl, it's homecoming. Uh, how will that crowd be? Uh, you know, with what happened uh, earlier in the year, will they come out on Saturday night again? If it was uh, a little bit closer to Westwood, I don't know. It's it's a seven thirty kick on a Saturday night. Halloween weekend, you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But right now, what, you looking at 17, 16 and a half in regards to the SC being favored? Hey, Stanford, they're not afraid of anybody. They played SC a lot better than anyone thought they were going to play them. And then they went on the road and they, they took care of business. Um, or Yeah, they, they handled Notre Dame. And uh, not saying Notre Dame's world beater, but again, Stanford is a program that is mature and uh, they had some injuries banged up. Emmett Smith's son was, was hurt in the second half of uh, the SC game. So we'll see Saturday night in the uh, in the Rose Bowl exactly what the Cardinal bring to town. Yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking uh, UCLA going into a bye, but not the case. They're playing Stanford at home. And Stanford not only uh, lost E.J. Smith, but his replacement, Casey Filkins, is out indefinitely now, too. He got banged up in the game on Saturday. And Michael Wilson, uh, their leading receiver also, he's out for the year now. So they'll go in the backfield with Caleb Robinson and Brandon Barrow and uh, see if they can get some run production there to hang in there with the Bruins. But, uh, yeah, UCLA's got to get their act together coming off that tough road. road loss against Oregon. Some other big games in the country. I uh, just want to get your take, Chuck. we got about five, six minutes. What about Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin trying to rebound against Texas A&M? Now, it's an A&M team that's rather banged up themselves and uh, even some suspensions thrown in there from Jimbo Fisher. So, you know, you start looking at the offensive line. Foster, Ungbunbi uh, out for the year. Uh, Spazoyevic, Moko out for the year. I mean, these are all offensive linemen. And then the suspensions came 
came in. Chris Marshall, one of their starting receivers, is out. And P.J. Williams, he's a backup right tackle, but he's a guy that may have been inserted because of all the losses they've had in the offensive line. So they already had lost Anaya Smith and Max Johnson still out with the broken hand. So Haynes King, who's probable, going to have to try and get it going there. It's always tough to beat somebody at College Station, but at the end of the day, I cannot take A&M in this game. And even though Ole Miss, I was against them last week, I'm going to come back with them. And I know it's a tough place to win, but I think they have too many offensive weapons for A&M to slow down. Now, the question is, can Mississippi, you know, at least keep Texas A&M's offense in check? I don't see a lot of weapons there, but there's something about playing in College Station. You better bring your A game and you better drown out that crowd the best you can. Get off to a good start because otherwise they're going to get confidence. And we saw them beat Alabama there last year. You know, probably the biggest win, you know, the first five weeks uh, when um, Ole Miss beat uh, Kentucky 22-19, it was big. And then they handled uh, Vandy, and then they, you know, put up 48 against Auburn and then didn't didn't get done against, against LSU. So here's the question, which is the real team? And I asked the same thing about, about A&M. They went in there, and, you know, if it wasn't for that play call on the last play of the game against Alabama, they probably could have won that game and maybe changed their fortunes. But right now, it's like you say, there's so much conflict. Can they pull it together? You know, there's talk about, you know, what it would cost. Anytime they start talking about what it costs to get rid of somebody and that his record's the same as Kevin Sumlin's when Kevin Sumlin was fired and, you know, it's just not the you know. I think of the Aggies. I think of of a of a group of people who are all on the same page. They are so loyal. That twelfth man, they stand all during the game. I know you love love animals. How about Reveille, man? Reveille is one of the most beautiful collies you've ever seen. Right? That group. I remember when Jackie Sherrill had all of the kickoff people, except for the the uh, kickoff person himself were all walk-ons and he took pride at covering kicks i mean those are the little things that a&m had from a traditional standpoint the wrecking crew defense of rc slocum right now they're searching for an identity the identity that a&m has is that we had the most successful recruiting class in the history of college football and oh by the way we probably paid them the most money and what do we have not a lot going on yeah, some interesting games coming up. we got about a minute or so to go. Is there anything jumping out at you uh, this weekend that you're, that you're going to pay close attention to? Well, I think that, I think that Ohio State-Penn State game is very intriguing because Ohio State hasn't had to go on the road. And, again, whenever you go to Happy Valley, I don't care good, bad, or indifferent, you got to handle it right away. you got to take that crowd out of there, 100,000-plus. And uh, C.J. Stroud against Iowa – was dynamic. He was sharp. He was poised. And I think uh, they really like to win the Heisman Trophy for C.J. Stroud. Chuck Hayes, time flies, baby. It goes fast when we're talking football. I love it, man. It's great stuff. It's great content. And I always appreciate you on a hump day uh, talking some college football, some NFL football, and just going through whatever I throw at you. We don't talk prior to the show. I, I love that, the spontaneous uh, answers. And uh, I know you got a great following here in the Vegas Valley, you and Coach Harvey Hyde. You'll be back at it right here on KDWN on Saturday night. Hopefully SC takes care of business against Arizona. Chuck, appreciate you, man. We'll do it again next Wednesday. God bless, my man. Have a great week. 
Thanks, Ken. I appreciate it. Thanks. One of the best in the business, Chuck Hayes. And, again, he covers all those teams over in L.A. And, and just a great guy, man. Just love him. And he and Coach Harvey Hyde on the Trojan Report right here at KDWN, 9 o'clock on Saturday. Check it out. And, uh, again, SC with that big game in Tucson against Arizona. We'll see if the Trojans can get back on track after the tough loss against Utah. So about a minute to go here. Do not forget the Mark Hoke show Sunday morning coming up. My good pal Mark Hoke, my producer. He's got his own professional wrestling show, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. You like professional wrestling, you'll love the Mark Hoke show right here on KDWN. And, uh, you know, lots of uh, sports going at us. I I mean, unbelievable. NFL trade deadline deadline next Tuesday. Got Major League Baseball. uh, World Series coming up starting on Friday. Go Phillies. Uh, hopefully I could cash a future ticket uh, as far as that goes. But I uh, always appreciate the fine hospitality here at Steiner's Pub in all three locations. Top of the line. 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South right there at Windmill. 8410 West Cheyenne. That's the original. And of course where KT is every Wednesday night. 1750 North Buffalo right here at Vegas Drive in the Albertson Shopping Center. Thanks to all our great guests. Mark Lawrence and uh, of course Chuck Hayes and Art Dice 21. Arthur DeCesar and of course Mark Hoke. And uh, that That'll do it for KT on a Wednesday night. Tomorrow, throwback Thursday, Krivsky and Isco, hopefully both in studio. Till then, you know the rules. No drinking and driving, no texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Vegas, Sports X Radio, 101.5 on the FM side, 720 on the AM side. I'm Ken Thompson. I've enjoyed it. Archives up by 11 o'clock. Folks, have a great evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. God bless. Good night, everybody.